Are you an entrepreneur, a designer, a developer? Never before has it been easier to get your new venture off the ground. Whether you're just getting started or have already begun your journey, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we will dive into a new challenge, breaking it down into simple, digestible terms. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Thanasis. And you're listening to Listen, Ship, Repeat, episode 6. In this episode, we'll talk about how to scale your tech team. things all right lots of things going on um, next week I'm traveling to Athens giving the talk on uh, freelancing for top tier developers uh, so high-end contractors how the market operates uh, how you can do it I'm sorry to interrupt you it's episode seven <laughs> it's not it's not the other world so <laughs> five, five, folks <laughs> episode episode seven Double O seven. Anyway, so you're going to Athens, yeah? Right. <laughs> Grace JS. Grace JS meetup. Uh, yeah, it's a local meetup for everything JavaScript there. Okay. What are you talking about? I'm giving a talk about, uh, like I said, uh, you know, high-end contractors. Yeah. I, I know, like you said, uh, it's not that I wasn't listening to you. I just got distracted that the episode right. uh, was wrong and I got and I blacked out. So, yeah, okay. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I've already done multiple uh, presentations in uh, regards to freelancing and uh, I have covered all the basics on how do you get started and uh, rise your way up. And this is the final chapter, let's say, in that series. Cool. Uh, for me, uh, towards the end of the year, I've been doing the usual um, reflection stuff about how it all went. It's been pretty good so far. Um, maybe next time uh, we can talk about uh, before we get into our main topic about uh, what we hope to achieve uh, for 2017 just throwing that out there That's, that would be awesome That would be awesome. 2016 was very bad for me I mean it was a make or break year and okay. everything broke <laughs> multiple times <laughs> no for me it was, it was okay um, actually it was one of the very few times that uh, I got um, I followed through some of those uh, resolutions that we make. That's I really good. wanted to start uh, writing stuff on the internet, and I did that. I want and to start working out. Yeah. I Actually, I joined the gym a couple of weeks ago, so at, at the twilight of the year, <laughs> I kind of made it. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to next year, what it will bring. Awesome. And, so, uh, yeah, okay. What, what are we talking about tonight? Um, in this uh, seventh episode, this <laughs> seventh episode, uh, we're talking about how to scale your tech team. And uh, before we get into uh, what that actually means um, in detail, uh, it's important to point out. Uh, so, what's the turning point? Uh, the, the, what's the deciding factor of uh, when to scale your team? The when. The when. So you've built something, uh, you've hired your, you made your first hire perhaps, uh, you've built your first product, it's out there and uh, maybe you're contemplating that or maybe you're contemplating when to actually begin. So uh, I would say a good turning point for that would be when uh, uh, you've achieved a, a product or market fit. Um, 
what does that mean? It's uh, that you've built something that satisfies a specific uh, market uh, need out there. Uh, people are using it, and uh, you've achieved perhaps based on that uh, that translate into uh, having a, a customer base, uh, revenue, sales, uh, money coming in. Revenue and. Uh, uh, hopefully, so maybe you're funded or maybe you're making money. So it's at a point where you want to be able to say, okay, I, uh, I've built something and uh, it doesn't 100% satisfy my vision. So I have to scale my team, build my team, get more people in here uh, in order to uh, realize that uh, vision. So, right. so um, sorry for interrupting. No worries, no worries. Just a few notes here. Um, the re the the reason you want to do that on when you have achieved product market fit and be rest assured that you are going to understand when that comes is that because at that point you know the exact direction you want to take. Before that, you're just, uh, you know, uh, you're experimenting, um, you're testing the waters, you're trying things out. Once you have nailed this and you know exactly where the market is and how to exploit it. True. Maybe you've pivoted a couple of times too. Right, right, right. So you don't want to pivot with a heavy load, right? No, you're a good place, basically. Uh, in my point of view, uh, product market fit is a, a great stepping stone to really launch uh, into the future. And of course, never forget, uh, you know, the funding factor that you have enough funds in the bank or uh, promised income, promised within quotes, uh, expected yeah. income, rather. Uh, to be able to support that scaling, right? You do not need, uh, you cannot uh, fall short in the middle of the way. Absolutely not, absolutely not. And uh, so once you've reached this milestone uh, in your operation, uh, is there anything that uh, you should pay special attention to? Well, a lot of things. <laughs> it's, okay. it's gonna get crazy. But, but uh, let's, right. uh, let's give some, uh, you know, some notes on the disadvantages of scaling the team. So the a very good analogy that I found to be working in this is the uh, everything naval. So consider a fast, a fast speedboat, which is agile, moves fast, has very high turn degree, can do an 180, uh, you know, in seconds. Mm -hmm. And the more people you put on that boat, and the boat gets larger. The more momentum you gain and the harder it is to turn, the harder it is to develop speed, the harder it is to stop and look around, uh, you start to gain momentum. So, uh, you know, a fully loaded tanker can require, I don't know, up to five miles to come to a full stop. That's something you need to consider. You're going to stop being flexible and you're going to be... Um, you know, gain momentum and push on towards a very specific direction that you must know that must be taken. True. And in real terms, what does that mean? It's very easy if you're one or two people to just uh, go back to drawing board. Uh, but, you know, if you're five people, ten people and so on, uh, it's extremely difficult because you have to communicate that. You have to... Right. Every course direction uh, is going to require months to perform versus days. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know exactly how that worked like uh, with empirical evidence, but uh, I'll be curious to see if somebody came up with a mathematical formula that uh, 
takes as an input the number of people and outputs uh, the time will be to not, not a mathematical yeah, formula like not, uh, sure, not sure exactly it's going to work like that but uh, like a chart or something i haven't come across that uh i wouldn't call it exponential though uh, I, I would in my uh, no yeah it has a higher limit i, I would say i would say it's fairly limit. linear so i'm just pointing that out so don't be discouraged uh, if you have to pivot because uh at the end of the day, what does a product market fit mean? It's not something that you can sit back and, and relax. Uh, a competitor might come up with something better than you, and uh, you might lose that. It's not here forever, so you might have to do it. So don't be discouraged if you have to. All we're saying is that you know it might be a bit more. Uh, it will be a bit more difficult than when you first started out. Right, right. So uh, let's now examine what exactly scaling your team means, and. Uh, we have broken it up into three main um, tiers, categories. Uh, the first one is from one to five uh, people. Uh, this is more of a hands-on process by the CEO and the CTO. Uh, there are no or minimal established procedures. We have um, partly or actually uh, discussed this in depth in previous episodes of ours on how to uh, start your tech team, you know, how to set it up. So we're not going to dive much into <clears throat> this category of one to five. Um, Maybe in the show notes, we'll make a note, reference the episode. Because right, right. honestly, I can't remember at the top of my head, but no worries, check out the show notes, it'll be there. Right. Um, second tier is um, from five to 10. And this is the part uh, where the company now starts to need uh, for, uh, their first processes and uh, you know procedures on interviewing and onboarding as the new developers come in they need to start getting oriented with the code base uh, you have to have some kind of uh, interviewing procedure because to hire five developers you're going to need to interview at least uh, 30 50 i don't know um, so this is a very uh, special period in the life of uh, a company scaling up from five to ten, basically from uh, a very small team that used to work with ad hoc communication and everybody was in a room or everybody was remote, but they were really close and everything they built, they built together so they understand the stack completely. And it's the next hires that are the next uh, tier step category that we're talking about. So um, the third one is from ten people onwards. And of course, then you will re need really well-established uh, procedures, interviewing uh, procedures and uh, onboarding ones, possibly boot camps, educational <laughs> courses, I don't know. This is what we're going to actually dive into. I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, 10 people onwards, is there an upper limit or is it like uh, infinity, so to speak? Well, yeah, I guess we could be put a limit up to 50 because okay. uh, upwards that lim upwards that number, then things get even more uh, part of uh, an organizational. Yeah, know. it's not a question of scale. Then you're basically uh, into running a, a big business. Uh, yeah, it's running a big business, big and the territory. the procedures that you have established in the you know the 10 to 50 people are the ones that are going to be used to. You know, multiply that times hundred. I don't know. Yeah, and you might have uh, divisions within the company popping up. Right. Yeah, that. you're going to have proper divisions. You're going to have HR. Okay, so we're going to be saying stuff like how to scale uh, for ten to fifty. Right. Right. Okay. 
which probably makes sense uh, if you're here listening to us. So um, the, uh, the the important factor here to see is the transitioning. Is that right, uh, Dimitri? Yeah, uh, it, it exists as a tiny specific point in time. You have to do it once and it's a... Uh, I like to see it as something... Um, uh, I've boiled it down to very a couple of specific things that are happening uh, between um, when to scale and actually starting to sell, scale and having this transition. And uh, from my uh, experience and when I've uh, been as part of this, uh, I find it that when you're in the early uh, pre-product uh, or market fit stage, everybody's doing everything. You might be doing multiple things. Um, you might, as a developer, find yourself to be doing stuff that isn't inherently a part of that role. If you're a designer, you might find yourself uh, be doing uh, commits on, on the front end, for example. A CTO doing uh, HR stuff because you're putting the team together and hiring people. So CTO actually writing code? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not been known. It's been known for CTOs uh, at, the, at the level we're talking about, uh, you know, getting in there now and again, I think. Uh, but definitely not. You won't see the CTO of Oracle writing code, for example. I just uh, show something as a, as a big example. But um, so then the focus has to narrow, and uh, so you're the founder, and it's your responsibility to make people focus on uh, what their role is really about, and uh, be focused on that, and uh, in order to carry out the, the vision, right? So you're going from a bit of everything, wearing multiple hats, to wearing uh, a single hat. And uh, I've seen that sometimes there might be a bit of a pushback here from people um, because they might have to give up responsibility. Uh, but the bright side is that uh, if you're working in a startup and you're starting to scale, uh, you're not really giving up. Uh, you're giving up one side and, and picking up a lot of stuff on the other side because uh, your responsibility uh, will be going up in... Uh, uh, the domain you're working on. Right, right. And uh, once you've established that, and uh, I, I don't think it's, it's black magic to establish that, it's just communicating that to your team and, and letting them know that uh, we're at a, at, a, at a launch pad going forward in the future and uh, we're transitioning to scale and uh, this is what we need to do. And uh, then you're ready. In in classical uh, business literature, this is called uh, the change management, mm -hmm. managing change, and uh, all classic rules apply. It's like you said, communicating, communicating, communicating. This is what it's all about. Yeah, you probably see communicating as a as a running theme in this podcast. I, I think <laughs> I think we believe in it a lot, and I think uh, the reason we believe in it is because uh, that's what makes stuff work better. Absolutely. Uh, it's like an invisible force. Uh, you don't really notice it when it's there, but as soon as it goes away, uh, then stuff doesn't work out. And uh, um, number one uh, right. uh, point of focus, I think. Right, right. So let's uh, let's dive into um, the actual nitty-gritty stuff. How to scale your team in, uh, in more practical terms, and let's see who will scale the team. Right. The, primary responsibility falls to the technical uh, founder or co-founder or CTO mm -hmm. for that, All right? So, like you said, in the, you know, the transitioning to scale uh, 
thing for that person is to actually start letting go and understand the importance of delegating and understand that as the team grows, uh, that person, the CTO, let's call them, let's call it, uh, the CTO will start to code less and less and their job will transition from a programmer to a project manager. And uh, that is something that uh, CTO needs to uh, understand and uh, act like it because uh, we've seen many cases where CTOs didn't, you know, didn't have leadership skills or didn't want to give up coding. And uh, because of that, the whole team uh, got hurt. Uh, the velocity slowed down. Uh, developers were, weren't getting the proper spec they should be getting, which is the CTO's job to ensure, right? And uh, so this, uh, this mentality shift needs to happen within, for a single person for this to work correctly. And uh, once you've done that, or once you're on your way to doing that, uh, we talked about methodologies in the last episode. Uh, we talked about realizing goals and ob objectives. So I encourage you uh, to go back to that and listen to it if you haven't. Uh, but in short, uh, for now, it's um, you're scaling your team. Uh, people will be coming in. You'll be growing uh, your operation. Uh, and you need a methodology in order to be able to uh, uh, build your roadmap, uh, estimate uh, your tasks, uh, have a, a clear way of uh, communicating these tasks and, uh, and realizing uh, these tasks. And uh, altogether have a team in which everybody has a very clear picture of what uh, they need to do and what needs to be done. And uh, also uh, formalize your uh, communication uh, process uh, make sure there's a clear-cut, defined uh, channels of communication. Uh, you can do that with the use of uh, tools. Uh, for example, if you if you opt for the Kanban methodology and you're using Trello, uh, I strongly encourage you to have all communication go through that. So it's documented. Uh, people are notified. Uh, uh, conversations happen uh, within. So even people that aren't directly involved uh, might have an idea of uh, what's going on and uh, they can go back and uh, check it out at some point in the future because it'll be uh, documented correctly. Right, so if you remember for our previous episodes on the methodologies, we were um, giving some slack on the early stages. Now this is the point where you need to get serious about it and uh, have very well established uh, rules and procedures so that every member of the team knows uh, where North and South is and how to operate within uh, the environment of uh, this company. Now, um, the, and you know, the next thing speaks to the uh, how less agile you're going to become uh, is, to, is because you're going to need to establish some long-term uh, roadmap. And uh, since you're now talking to a team of uh, up to 10 developers or maybe more, um, everybody needs to have an eye on the on the long term, so they can properly uh, tool and prepare their infrastructure for tomorrow. Yep. Yes. I mean, you know, giving ad hoc uh, short term tasks doesn't really work if you want to go for long term. And scaling your team means that you want to go for long term. Yeah. And uh, so maybe it's time to look into uh, how to. Uh, 
hire first a product manager and uh, who'll be running a team now on coming up the roadmap and realizing uh, the roadmap. So you need uh, people that uh, uh, with technical ability, uh, experience, uh, uh, with working uh, at a startup that uh, is trying to scale at this stage. So not just the tiny two people startup, but the one that's uh, uh, from the product uh, market fit onwards. Uh, so they know the market, they know uh, the competition. Uh, they have uh, some sort of familiarity uh, with at least uh, one uh, development uh, methodology that have worked on that. And uh, so uh, depending on your, your scale, how many of these guys would you need? And uh, I've, I've seen this figure thrown around like 80-20 uh, ratio. So uh, I can't really back up that uh, in my own experience. Uh, I'd say between... Uh, I'd say it's uh, less than that. Yeah, I'd say less than that. Uh, uh, I've seen... When, when researching, I, I saw a few of them. and This is kind of like an average, but I don't think it's just for startups or, or growth startups or scale startups. It's basically uh, from uh, from your small business to your uh, corporation. Right, right. So when starting up, and you're basically going to do your first hire of a product manager, right? That, that product manager is going to handle the whole team, so it's not uncommon to have a single product manager for up to 10 people. Um, and then the second will come and how you will devise the teams and the product managers is going to be entirely organizational and based on your industry thing. The question that I want to ask you, Dimitri, is, uh, you know, how would we evaluate a product manager? Okay. Um, they'll have to hire them. Hiring them. We mentioned so far, uh, know the market and know the competition. Have some sort of a demonstrable product vision in the past, so a portfolio uh, of stuff they've worked on. Uh, it doesn't have to be world class or anything. There's uh, how many of these unicorns are out there, but they it'll be great. It'll be nice. It'll be great if they can demonstrate uh, stuff that have uh, worked on, and uh, they will definitely have to believe in what you're doing, 100%. Yeah, that goes for everybody, I guess. I so. <laughs> let's yeah. let's put a note to dive into this topic in another episode. Sure. What are the skills required? And uh, well, communication, one hundred percent. Definitely. Uh, the, rec- the the recurring uh, uh, theme, and uh, you know, sometimes they say they're also the product uh, CEO, so they'll have to drive the development of the product. Uh, guide uh, the, the people, uh, assign the tasks, make investigations, uh, come up with uh, product features, uh, iterate upon these said product features, uh, and realize the vision. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very sensitive subject. There are a lot of things to be said here. So let's not, uh, you know, uh, let's move on and promise that we're going to revisit cool. that in the future. <laughs> and uh, so you're bringing people on board, it's great uh, to come up with a hiring policy or uh, a list of uh, things that you have to uh, make people uh, go through in order to join. Um, so at this stage, definitely a personal, uh, personal interview with a founder, uh, definitely uh, a technical interview with uh, your developer that became CTO. For development roles, for software development roles, 
Um, definitely, definitely. I've said that three times, but uh, an assignment of sort, uh, a tiny assignment that maybe could be a subset of uh, your product, or uh, what I've seen a lot uh, recently, uh, and I've actually known people that uh, have uh, gone to these, uh, a boot camp, which is uh, a more large-scale product that might take a few days and uh, could potentially be something uh, of a feature that uh, you'll integrate into your product at some point. And uh, that uh, it'll be in nice taste if it was paid. So assignments is a few hours. Uh, here it is. Uh, get back to us when you have a, uh, a link to the repo so we can uh, run what you've done, and check it out and review it. Or a boot camp, uh, which might be able to spend some time with it since they will be giving you a lot of the precious time, they'll have to be paid for that. Right, right. And um, yeah, I see that we've kind of taken this backwards. The interview with the founder, of course, this should happen last, and it's the most important one because this is the founder's pick for the company's culture. Hmm? Um, so that is the what is going on on that specific interview because up to that point, everything is strictly technical, assessing the technical abilities of that uh, candidate but uh, the founder interview is uh, is about company culture the kind of people you want to have on board um, now you talked about uh, assignments and boot camps boot camps um, I have mixed feelings about that let me you know explain um, so one of the things that I want to suggest for higher degree of uh, success in your search for candidates is to give a salary range. This is very important because uh, as we've explained uh, in previous episodes, there are uh, multiple ranges um, of uh, developers and what you perceive as uh, a senior uh, might be different from what is actually perceived as a senior in the market and likewise an intermediate and a junior. The, the thing that actually makes a difference here is the salary range, and this is a yearly salary range, right? Um, there's a big difference if we're talking about a 30,000 per year salary range, which would be something that uh, somebody in uh, you know more poor countries uh, would uh, take as a yearly salary at their early stages and the salaries goes up to six figures so um, and everything in between um, and what I've seen you know typically um, Europe is at 70% the salaries that US offers and all of these things uh, really uh, make a difference and position you at the right market segment and uh, what it will actually do is uh, save you and the developers time because no matter what you write, no matter how you describe what you want, uh, the bottom line is what you're willing to pay for that, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you will uh, have better results if you are, if you come out with that. And this is what I've seen happening in uh, most, uh, uh, you know, well-established, uh, well-operating companies. And this comes, <clears throat> this comes in uh, connection to the assignments in the boot camps um, as I've been in the job market for the past months what I've seen is many companies now 
<clears throat> going to the habit of uh, throwing you an assignment before having an, uh, a chance to talk to anybody. And I find this to be a bad practice for a number of reasons. First off, it's showing that you're not respecting the developer's time. A developer that is looking for a job might have to perform 10 to 20 applications at a time, right? And that is uh, that is how this is done. It's not something that's bad or you are not, you know, uh, we want to find dedicated people. That's, that does, just doesn't apply. It's, uh, it's not uh, something that can happen. If you're looking for a job, you're going to make multiple applications. And if each one of those applications require you to pay upfront two, three, six hours of work just to fill out an assignment, this doesn't scale, this doesn't work really. And uh, it's really important to find, you know, the the right ratio and way to do assignments versus first clear clearing you know the first uh, having a first interview so that both parties can understand more or less what the other party is looking for and see if there's a match before the developer commits to solving a, an assignment now one other thing and of course we've mentioned that before i'm just going to skim it through quickly is to check the reputation and the references of um, its candidate as a part of your interviewing process and uh, we've uh, analyzed that in a previous episode on how you hire you have to check out their whole actually social cloud uh, twitter facebook their technical cloud github stack overflow and uh, all, all this jazz you as a cto you're not gonna know what to look into yep um so on top of these procedures um, let's have a look at the kind of people that you need as part of the operation. And uh, we've uh, talked about this uh, before the recording, Thanasi, and uh, we came up with two groups of uh, potentially overlapping uh, people, groups of people, by no means mutually exclusive. And uh, I'll just have to go and say, um, be, be, feel free to uh, mix and match these attributes. But uh, let's go through them and uh, we'll discuss that. So yeah, actually a healthy ratio, a healthy mix, yeah. I think is the... So these are definitely not mutually exclusive, what we're going through. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, I go so far, so far as to say, let's uh, throw away these uh, labels altogether and just go through these uh, like attributes and uh, make up your own. So which are the two categories? Uh, we'll go through that in the end. We'll keep that as a surprise. So the, the first... <laughs> <laughs> it's, so the first category, uh, I would say, uh, people that can wear multiple hats definitely can uh, work autonomously, uh, can take risks, uh, can take ambiguous goals and uh, realize them on their own. Uh, with uh, being proactive. Decision-making in the process. Exactly. Uh, have a track record of uh, being able to ship uh, continuously. And continuously can mean from daily to uh, weekly, but uh, that's definitely high frequency if you fall uh, within that range or every couple of weeks. So high frequency shipping. And uh, when looking at this group, uh, check out the history too and uh, see if... Uh, fact that uh, they've, been, uh, they've been turning over a lot 
that wouldn't work for you. However, it is expected from this kind of person of people to have a high turnover as they their their drive is the challenge and the moment the moment things get uh, routine mundane they're looking for the next thing it's how it's the thing that they but it's part of uh, uh, as a founder to make it interesting uh, it's also right, part right. of uh, the founder's job to be able to know that this is reality and it will happen and uh, if you have a well established set of procedures of uh, getting people in there uh, you'll be able to hack around that and uh, Uh, if, if you've been in the position of uh, having people uh, turn over a lot. And of course, uh, well, I'm sorry, you know, I, I cannot hide it any longer. You know, this is like a quiz to our listeners. <laughs> yeah. So what we've been describing up to now is the the kind of uh, person that we would call a startup person. Yeah, st- st- stereotypical startup person yeah yeah, the startup developer and uh, one of the disadvantages that comes with that package is that we have bigger egos people like that have bigger egos and uh, they require a special kind of management it's like managing divas let's call it although uh, that varies between those people you know some have it at a higher degree some have it at a lower degree Uh, you might you might find uh, yourself in a situation where you need to manage kindergarten people, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, those are the realities. Those are the people that are, you know, creative, break things, and uh, you know, pioneer uh, technologies. Yeah. The uh, the other category, and again, you know, labeling is bad, but however, we have to somehow have uh, <clears throat> some terminology to mm-hmm. be able to communicate. Is the Is the journeyman? Is the kind of person that's going to stay with you long term? Uh, they are very reliable, um, but they come. They will require higher management, um, a higher management role from you to be able to provide uh, more, bet- and, uh, you know, specifications down to the minute details versus. Uh, Vague, vague, vaguely ambiguous goals and uh, you typically you would expect larger release cycles as those are um, let's call it more slow but reliable yeah. machines and uh, that uh, you know it's like uh, the always producing machine and uh, contrasting that with the startup people the startup people have uh, uh, you know over delivery on one week and the other week they might do nothing it's just how they work uh, so you get peaks and bottoms with uh, the journeyman you get a constant rate of uh, output and these groups uh, I'm actually feeling a bit compl- conflicted that we chose to use groups but uh, that by no means are uh, mutually uh, exclusive exactly I think it's uh, a people can have these attributes they can share these Attributes. Uh, so, sorry, uh, right, to right, right. just uh, to, to finish this thought, um, and uh, it comes part of uh, wearing, you know, the multiple uh, hats and uh, mixing and matching, which is uh, one of my own uh, favorite themes too. I think I think that's exactly what's required. I mean, at the beginning when we originally had the conversation, in my mind, you know, it was like black and white in in the either that or this. But uh, what I've seen actually happening in real life and from the businesses I've been to 
is that um, the journeyman should be at a bigger percentage than the startup people to kind of, you know, provide, a, a, I don't know how to say it, a line of um, sanity, <laughs> a, b- a baseline of how things should be, should be working. Yeah. Actually, maybe we should do a, an episode of uh, hiring, quote, uh, startup people in the future. What do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I, I get the feeling that uh, there's a lot here that we could, uh, that we could say. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and uh, with that promise, let's move forward. I mean, we have uh, covered uh, the how to scale part, you know, what it is, and in regards to the hiring policy that you need to have. Mm-hmm. Now, let's look at the other part. I mean, you have hired your candidate. Now they are an employee of the company, their first day at work. They showed up, yeah. They show awesome. up, 9 a.m. <laughs> and uh, what do they do? And this is uh, an issue of onboarding. Yeah. And you need to have a very solid onboarding uh, policy to be able to minimize the onboarding time and minimize it from weeks, multiple weeks, to possibly a single week, right? A single week. Definitely a lot of low-hanging fruit, yeah, uh, that you can get through with it uh, rather quickly so what have we got so the you know the most um, expected thing uh, to do is to have a checklist have a checklist that is going to be operated by the onboarder whoever that is it might be the CTO or somebody else and that is a checklist of what needs to be done when a new person comes into the team so that starts from the very mundane stuff like uh, create their email, create their uh, accounts in whatever dashboard or service uh, is required for that person to operate, uh, give them GitHub access, I don't know, Google Drive, you know, onboard them to the team in very practical terms have, so that they have access into everything. Um, that is a, the least that you can do, that, that should at least be done as early as on as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, next advice is to have a wiki, which is basically your documentation, your onboarding documentation. And in that wiki, you're starting to now explain in more specific terms uh, your development environment, uh, the stack that you are using, the technologies that the developer needs to install on their local machine for in order to be able to develop. So you might be using, I don't know, XYZ, uh, FMPEG library, whatever, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. List all of these. Um, provide step-by-step guides uh, as to have the developers uh, build their local environment and be able to be productive as soon as possible. And uh, you can start with something simple that covers the basics and uh, everybody will contribute uh, over time, build something uh, meaningful and uh, comprehensive. Yeah. One thing that I find very practical here is to task the new recruits with uh, <clears throat> uh, with the task of uh, having them improve the onboarding documentation itself. So as they run through it and they discover gaps and questions come up, make it their responsibility to update those docs so that the next person that comes in has an even easier time. Um, one thing that I found particularly useful is to create screencasts. And this is something really, really simple to do, especially for 
OS6, uh, when you, if you are on an OS6 machine on a Macintosh, which most developers are today, uh, you just open QuickTime and start recording your screen and uh, your voice. So you basically <clears throat> open up your own local uh, dev environment and start uh, showcasing, um, you know, uh, showing around the developer as you move through the folders, the different uh, services, the different scripts that you're using, how you deploy code, and you narrate the whole journey. Uh, these clips should be, you know, very large. I mean, 20, 30 minutes max and ma multiple of them. So let's talk about databases. Let's talk about uh, how we do REST, how we do how we do API, anything that needs addressing and a simple document might not convey the exact uh, meaning, you should do a screencast. Have you, uh, have you ever uh, seen a screencast, uh, Dimitri? What do you think? Yeah, I've seen a few of them. Not, not as part as onboarding, uh, but I've definitely viewed uh, several on uh, YouTube or something. Quite recently, I was looking at one. Once you do a couple, then it's it yeah. becomes really a habit for you, and it's very easy. I mean, everything that I want to explain, I just pop out QuickTime and start recording and convey my message entirely. Nice. Um, that's pretty much it. Now, one last note is to have some kind of virtualization like Docker, but this is a, you know a very advanced topic, and uh, if you decide to go for it, uh, you would uh, have all the better information at your hand. So I think that uh, does it in, as far as onboarding goes. Cool. Um, so I think we've covered everything? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And uh, what do we talk about? So quickly, very important, uh, keep in mind when you begin the scaling process. Uh, be aware of all the pitfalls that surround that. And uh, be mindful of uh, how to transition and uh, establish a formal communication process or semi-formal in order to bring uh, people on board. And once they're on board, uh, try to welcome them as well as possible. And uh, with that, I'd like to say that you can uh, send us your question by ca calling us on your questions by calling us on 866-370-5050 from anywhere. You can email us at hello at listenshiprepeat.com. Uh, subscribe to us uh, on iTunes. Leave us uh, a rating. You don't have to write uh, a comment along with your rating. You just uh, press the, uh, the star button. The, the higher the value, the better for us. Uh, keeps us motivated. <laughs> it keeps us motivated, absolutely. And uh, I'd like to uh, thank you all uh, for listening and uh, we'll be with you again uh, in early uh, 2017. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Ciao. Bye.